Hey, let's start in word, with a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, this morning, thank you for, for just this opportunity that we have to gather together to worship you. God, we come together around the person of Jesus, and Lord, we are just grateful that, um, that we have hope in Christ. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would meet with us. God, I pray that you would speak to us. Um, God, help us to respond in faith and obedience. And Lord, just w- whatever circumstance we find ourselves in this morning, God, I pray that your spirit would move in us and help us to hear from you. God, to experience your presence this morning is what we want. And so I pray that you would meet with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Friendship. So glad that you are with us. We're in this short three-week series called Together, which is really all about what, what the church is about, especially for those who have maybe written off church, walked away from church. Um, but we are in week number two, and really the idea this morning is together we grow stronger. It's about life in community. And I want to I want to put up a link on the screen. You may have gotten a bulletin. Um, it's got some directions to get to the sermon notes. Um, my apologies. The link on your bulletin is incorrect. If, you are, if you're trying to find that link, this is the correct one. In case you want to follow along, um, that is, is where you'll find us in the, the Bible app. Um, but this morning, um, we're in week number two, which is Together We Grow Stronger. Um, and I've, I've been thinking about weddings. I've got weddings on the brain because this afternoon, uh, I get to experience performing my first wedding in the South Carolina heat, all right? So y'all need to pray for me. I got to wear the full monkey suit, you know, at 5.30, and it's, at least it won't be in the 90s. I'm praying, all right? Uh, I will be sweating either way, but um, I, I, I'm, I think one of those rare guys, I actually like weddings. Like, I love weddings, actually. Um, little background, there was a period about three or four years where my wife and I, um, we ran our own business where we produced wedding films. So we would go spend all day with a couple on a Saturday or Sunday as they're preparing for the wedding. We'd film their wedding, get all the fun behind the scenes stuff, do the ceremony, do the reception. And so we probably filmed over 70 films in three or four years. So really familiar with weddings. Um, I'm actually, you know, a lot of times you talk about enjoying being on the other side of the camera. I actually like being on the lens portion of the camera. I like to act, not because I've gotten married a lot, okay, just once, um, but because I like to actually officiate weddings. Uh, I just, there's something about weddings that I love. Um, and, and so hopefully I'll still be able to say that after a five o'clock, 5.30 wedding in South Carolina today. Um, but I love weddings uh, because, you know, marriages, you know, God created this institution of marriage and he meant for it to be a a union of one man and one woman for one lifetime. Uh, And it's a beautiful picture of Christ and the church and our relationship together. But we all know that marriage is tough, and it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of marriages end prematurely, and they they don't end up being what God designed for them. And so, um, but here's what we know, is that weddings are always full of hope right? Weddings are always a time where, I mean, you don't go into a wedding and go, man, I hope this couple makes it past tomorrow, you know? Like, you go, oh, man, this is incredible. This is a beautiful, you know, union of two people. Weddings always talk about uh, new hope and new beginnings and this lifetime of love and all that stuff. Uh, The cool thing about the wedding that that we're doing today, and you may know the folks who are getting married today, uh, Ed and Barbara, uh, a couple in our church that help lead our blended family life group, um, and so they are getting married today. One of the things I love about this particular wedding 
is anytime you have a wedding, you have, you know, you know two parties, two, a man and a woman who are being brought together, united, two individuals who are being united together. The cool thing about this wedding today is it's not just two individuals who are being united, it's actually two families. It's these two, this blended family coming together. And I think there's an incredible picture of, of redemption that we see in this. In fact, I believe it's a picture of what God has done in Christ. Because you see, what happened is God had his people, the nation of Israel, the Jews, and then there was the rest of us that the Bible calls Gentiles. So you have Jews and Gentiles. And what we're told in the New Testament, and we'll see that in just a second in Ephesians chapter 2, is that God did something special. He took two different groups of people and he united them together into one. He brought them into this family, this spiritual family that we know as the church. And so because of what Christ has done, we who are not Jewish, that are outside of the people of God, we get to be brought into and made new into this new family. And so I love what's going on this afternoon with this blended family because it's a picture of what God has done in Christ. See, he didn't just save us from our sins and, and make us into a new person. When we put our faith in Christ, he actually puts us into a new family, into a, a, a brand new community. And it's an incredible, incredible thing. And so last week we talked about this idea that we were we're separated from God. We were dead in our sins, but he made us alive and he seated us with Christ. He united us with Christ. Now this week we're going to talk about, about the fact that we were separated from God's people, but now we've been brought into the family or the people of God. We've been united with one another. You know, we live in a culture that I would argue is growing more and more isolated, we have so much more technology um, than back in my day. We have social media, which is intended to, to connect people, right? That's the intention. But here's, here's what I, I feel like I observe, is that social media and technology tends to isolate us more than it connects us. You know what I'm talking about? Where I'm so dialed into this device that I miss the people around me and the relationships around me. And rather than having face-to-face connections in relationship, and community, it's all digital. It's all like the digital world. But, but you know, one of the things, you know, if you know my story, you've heard me talk about it. Uh, I didn't grow up going to church. This whole thing of God and the Bible, Jesus, this was all foreign to me. But at 16 years old, there was something that drew me into the church. It was the fact that I sensed community long before I ever understood anything about Christ. There was this group of people who loved me and brought me in. And so this has drastically, dramatically impacted like how one of my values as, as a church leader. It, this is one of my values. I, I believe this so strongly that people should feel like they belong before they ever believe. People should feel like they belong before they believe. Here's what I mean. It can be easy to walk into a new group and feel like, well, unless you check all the boxes, unless you believe everything that we believe, you're just not going to fit in. You're not going to feel like you're a part of things. You're going to feel like you're an outsider. But here's, here's what I believe, that as the church, we're called to be people who love, who love regardless of what you believe. We love you, and we, we want you to come in and feel like you belong, like you are a part of a family. Now, we risk something. We want to make sure that we're not just a group of people that 
just allows people to belong, but never calls them to or challenges or encourages them to believe, then we just become like a Christian social club. You know what I'm talking about? Our goal, our desire, our hope is that people would believe, that people would put their faith in Christ because we believe that Jesus changes everything. Amen? That was weak. <laughs> we believe Jesus changes everything. Amen? Amen? We believe that he changes everything. And so we want people to come to a place of belief and faith in Christ. Other words, we're just having fun on our way to hell. That's not what we're called to. We're called to faith in Christ, community with one another. But we want to be a church and a body, a family, where people can come in. They feel like they belong before they ever believe. Amen? And I believe this is, I believe we are that kind of a church. And I want us to continue to be that kind of a church because that's what I believe God calls us to as his people. So God created us for community. I mean, we see this from the very start. In the, the beginning of the scriptures, we see that God creates the heaven and the earth. He, from the very start, we see that God is himself community. In other words, this mysterious, profound thing that we know as the Trinity, God who is three yet one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 that God himself, somehow we can't wrap our heads around it, but he is himself community. You see in Genesis 1, 26, as God is getting ready to create Adam, the first man, he says this. He kind of has this like meeting with himself, and he says, let us make man in whose image? In our image. After whose likeness? Our likeness. So here is God who is one, and yet he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And what's happening is he's talking to himself. Y'all ever been there? I know you have, right? But he's talking to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we see from the very beginning that our creator God himself is a community, He's three, and yet he's one. And then you see in Genesis 2, when after he creates man, he makes this monumental statement. He says, it is not good that the man should be alone. Like, I didn't create this, this, this person, this man, to be by himself, to be in isolation. It's not good for him to be alone. And so God creates Eve and brings her to him. And, and from that, this, this family forms, and all the families of the earth come from this beginning because God said, hey, I didn't design you to be on your own. And so God created us for community. And I would say it this way, for us to experience full life, we need community. We need to be in, in fellowship, in relationship, in connection with others. I want to introduce you to this, this diagram or this picture that I call the growth circle, okay? So what this is, the idea is that no matter where you're at spiritually, whether this is all brand new to you or maybe you've been coming to church, you've known Jesus for decades, you could find your next steps, a place for you to grow in your faith. And so we'll start at the left part of this, the, the far left one is the weekly gathering, which is what we're doing right here. It's gathering together as the people of God which for most people, this is, this is kind of their entry point into the Christian life, what it's all about. It's their entry into what church is all about. It's an important part of, of our faith. But then we move to the top circle, and we talk about life in Christ. 
And if you remember our mission statement, we said that we want to help others find full life in Christ, community, and mission. And so really this is our mission statement in a picture. So life in Christ was, was what we talked about last week. If we're going to experience full life, we've got to have a relationship with Christ. We've got to go from being dead, walking according to the course of the world, to life, to seated with Christ. It's all about salvation. It's all about living out our faith in relationship with God. But then we're this morning talking about the next circle, life in community. Because here's what we believe. If you are going to experience full life, man, the kind of life that God intended for you, not just surviving, not just getting by, but full, rich, overflowing, abundant life, we need community. Not just to be on our own, not to be isolated. And so I want to ask you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at this passage here, which is honestly just a continuation of what we we looked at last week. Ephesians chapter 2, we looked at the first 10 verses, and I want to look through verses 11 to 22. Verses 11 to 22 in Ephesians chapter 2, and here's the first kind of big point this morning is Christ joins us together. Christ joins us together. Look at verse Verse number 11, Paul kind of does the same thing that we looked at last week. He talks about who we once were, okay, those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, that are following after Jesus, who you were compared to who we are now. Okay, so look at verse number 11. It says this, therefore, remember, okay, this this is who you were. Remember at that time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. He's referring to Gentiles, those of us who are not part of Israel, part of the Jewish people. They had the name. They were classified as the uncircumcised because circumcision was a physical mark of those that were part of Israel, that were Jewish people. And so he says, you were part of the Gentiles, part of the uncircumcision. Verse 12, remember that you were at that time. Okay, before you came into relationship with God, you were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And you were strangers to the covenants of promise. Okay, you were outsiders looking in. Here's God's people. You were outside. You were cut off from that. He says, having no hope and without God in the world. So this is who you were. You were strangers. You were aliens. You were cut off. You were outsiders. Verse 13, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, he says you've been what? Brought near. You were far off, but you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. So he says, Christ has brought us near. Christ has made peace between us and God. Verse 16, he has reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You know why we sing about the cross this morning? It's because on the cross... Jesus killed the hostility, the wrath of God that was hanging over every one of our heads. It says, through what Jesus did in taking our sin upon him on the cross, 
he killed the hostility between us and God. Like he made peace. He reconciled us with God because of what he's done. And it says in verse 17, he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. He's talking about the religious, the unreligious. He's preached peace to all of us. For through him, we both have what? We have access in one spirit to the Father. He said, you are without God in the world, but now you have access to the creator God, the king of all kings. You have access because of what Jesus has done. You have access in one spirit to the Father. So this is who you were But now, this is who you are. You were separated from God's people, but now. And I want you to look at at verse number 19. And so, listen, if you have ever put your faith in Christ, if you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I want you to read this verse and see this verse with fresh eyes this morning. Okay, verse 19, look at it. He says, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Would you say that phrase with me? Three, two, one. No longer strangers and aliens. He says, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and you're members of the household of God. He said, you used to be strangers and aliens, but now, listen, listen, listen. Man, you are fellow citizens. Like, you have been welcomed in. You are a member of the family of God. You know, one of the things that this has, has caused me to think about is, is my mother. Um, so my mom is, is Vietnamese, born and raised in Vietnam. And my dad in the 60s um, was serving in the Navy and met my mother in Vietnam. She, she didn't speak a lick of English, um, but my dad met her. Um, they did the whole like whirlwind romance, fall in love, got married. He brought her back to the States before she could even speak English. I mean, she, he introduced my mother to his parents, and she didn't, I don't even know, she, she probably knew how to say hello, maybe at that point, right? But as a kid growing up, and I grew up in rural Ohio, in a very white like city, town, in a very white school, and here, here I am, the half-Asian kid who didn't want to stand out. You know what I'm talking about? As a kid, your identity and your being accepted was a big deal. I remember growing up as a kid embarrassed by my mom because she didn't speak great English. The food she made was a little funny. <laughs> um, I was embarrassed. I didn't want to be seen by my mom. Maybe you remember those kind of feelings as a kid, wanting to be accepted, not wanting to stand out for for those kind of reasons. You wanted to fit in. And man, I was embarrassed by my mom because she was different. And now as an adult, man, I have so much respect for my mother, who was a stranger in a strange land. I'm more strange, (laughs) y'all. Listen, she came here, didn't know how to speak this language, had to learn a new language had to learn a new culture, had to learn how to make friends in a foreign place. She was a stranger. She was an alien. And I think about that for my mom and like this entitled little kid who thought, man, I'm so embarrassed by my mom. And I'm like, man, my mom was so brave and so courageous. And here's what I love about the gospel. 
that I think is so beautiful that will blow your mind if you think about this verse that we just read. That there was a time when we, because of our sin, God says, you were a stranger. You were an alien. You were outside of my love. You were outside of my people. But now, because of what Jesus has done, you belong. You have a place. You fit in. You are part of the family. And this is what the gospel says, that you were lost, you were separate, you were an outsider, but now you have a place. Because listen, every single one of us has inside of us this desire to be part of a tribe, to have a place where we feel like we belong, where we fit in, where we can find safety and security and identity. And in Christ He says, man, listen, y'all are welcome. You have a place. You are loved. I love you. This is the beauty of the gospel. Have you ever been the outsider? Have you ever been the new kid? Have you ever been in an environment where, man, you just are looking to fit in? You are looking to find your place. Maybe it was as a kid. Maybe it was as an adult. Listen, it's still hard as an adult. My greatest fear three months ago, four months ago, was bringing my family into a new place. Go, man, will we be loved here? Will we find family here? Will we we be accepted here? Will my kids find a place that they can call home? And y'all have been amazing at loving on our family and making us feel like we belong, making us feel like we're part of the family. And the good news is, this is what we're supposed to do. It's for people, for strangers, for newcomers, for outsiders to be able to come in and go, man, this is amazing. I feel loved. I feel like I belong. That is what the family of God is all about. Amen? This is what we're created for. Not to be in isolation, but together. There's this desire that every one of us has to be part of a tribe. And God says, you used to be strangers. You used to be aliens. Now you belong. Now you're one of us. Now you have a place. But I want to make sure that we don't miss this. How do we, how do we get joined to the family? How do we become part of the family of God? Listen, it's not by just showing up week after week at church, even though that's a good thing. The way we become part of the family of God is not just by showing up to church, Look back at verse number 13. Verse number 13, it says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you once who were far off have been brought near, how? By the blood of what? Christ. By the blood of Christ. The way that you and I become near, the way that you and I find entrance into the family of God is by the blood of Christ. Because of what Jesus has done for us. The fact that he took our sin upon himself, he died, offered himself as a sacrifice to forgive us and free us from our sin. By the blood of Christ, we have been brought near. Verse 14 says, he himself is our peace. Verse 16, he reconciled us to God. It's not because of what we bring, it's because of what he has done for us. It's by the blood of Christ. That's how we are joined together. 
but he doesn't just join us together. It says that he builds us together. Look at verse number 20. Verse number 20 says this, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the the cornerstone. In other places, it calls him the chief cornerstone. In other words, here's the reality. The spiritual reality is before we come to faith in Jesus, our life is built on nothing. It's a house of cards. It's on shifting sand. But once we come to Christ, it says that our life is built upon a firm foundation. It's a foundation that was laid by the apostles and the prophets. And it says that Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone. In other words, he is the one that holds the whole thing together. And he says in verse number 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together. You know what the structure is, the building is? You know what he's talking about here? He's not talking about a church building. He's talking about the people of God, that we form this this structure, this building. And he goes on, he says, being joined together, the structure grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You know what a temple is or what a temple was? It was a dwelling place of God. It was a place where God dwelled. It was a place where God's glory was revealed. And so what we do on a Sunday morning when we gather is we don't just come together to sing some songs and to hear some Bible talk. No, it says that he grows us together. He joins us together and then he builds us together grows us as a holy temple in the Lord. You know what makes this gathering different than every other gathering on the planet? It's the fact that we as God's people, we form a holy temple. In other words, this is where God dwells. This is where God shows up. This is where God shows off his glory. This isn't the only place, but there's something powerful and there's something special about when God's people, these, these, these bricks in the building, when he brings us together and he grows us together as a holy temple in the Lord, it says, in him you also are being built, how? Together. Being built, how? Together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He says, all of y'all being built together, growing together as a dwelling place, a holy temple for the Lord. And so the reality that is this morning is this, together we grow stronger. Together we grow stronger. The opposite of this is true. Isolated, we don't grow at all. Isolated, I would say it this way. We go backwards. We grow weaker when we're not together, when we're isolated, when we're on our own. Because community changes us. When we're in community, we're in relationship, when we're connected to one another, doing life together, it challenges us. It encourages us. It emboldens us. It grows us as God's people. And so Christ joins us together and then he builds us together. Together we, go, we grow stronger. And what unites us, let me again remind us, the way that we find unity, it's not through uniformity. It's not all thinking the same way, looking the same way, being the same person. 
No, the thing that unites us is Christ. The thing that unites us is Christ. It's, kind of, it's like a family. Okay, if you're part of a family or have ever, ever experienced family life, you know that there's no two family members that are alike, right? Like, there are no two family members that are alike. Um, you may share some similar likes and dislikes, uh, but there are some stark differences between family members, all right? Um, and w- what unites a family together? It's the fact that you are, you are a family. You're under the same name and under the same household. How many of you have ever heard this phrase, blood is thicker than water? How many of you have ever heard that before? Okay, most of you have. You know how we, how we today, how we use that phrase? Think about what that means. We, we typically use it in the sense that, you know, family or, or blood relatives, those who are related by blood, those relationships are over and above more important than every other relationship, right? That's, that's how we today use that phrase. Well, that's actually the exact opposite of, of the origin of that phrase. The original phrase was this, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Okay, think about this for a second. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. This is, this is not saying that family relationships are the strongest. This is actually saying the opposite. It's saying that covenant relationships, being blood brothers, if you will, covenant relationships are, are stronger than family ties. When you think back to ancient times when there was a covenant between two parties or an oath, a lot of times it was, it was sealed in blood. There might be an animal sacrifice, and there was this mingling of blood that represented kind of like we would, we would some of us understand it's like blood, blood brothers, right? It's, this is a lifelong oath. It can't be broken. It's for life. And so this is kind of the idea behind the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. In other words, the strongest, and I believe this, the strongest relational connections that we have in this life are not family ties. They're covenant commitments. They're covenant commitments. I mean, I think the strongest families you see are ones that move just beyond blood relation to, hey, I choose to love you. I am committed to you because I want to be, because I choose to be, not because I have to be, because you are a blood relative. Because if we're being honest, we all have blood relatives where we're like, ah, I don't, (laughs) I'm not really committed to you. I kind of have written you off, you know what I'm talking about? The strongest relationships we have are covenant relationships. You know, back to the kind of the, the marriage metaphor. You know, a marriage relationship it is a covenant relationship. It, it, it's, it's entered into by saying, I'm committed to you because I choose to be. You know, and, and back in the day, I don't, I don't see them as much anymore, but part of the, the traditional wedding ceremony was like the unity candle, you know what I'm talking about, where each family had a, a, a candle that was lit at the beginning, and then they had one candle that the bride and groom, after they made their vows, their commitment, their covenant with one another, they would take the two uh, candles and light the one, blow out their own, which would signify the, the uniting of two into one, because it represents covenant, Right? Because we are now one for life. That's why today, when, we, when I do this wedding ceremony, I prefer, instead of the unity candle, I prefer, I call it the unity, um, the unity knife. I pull out a knife and have the bride and groom each slice their hand and, like, 
commingle their blood together. We're in this for life, right? I will not do that today. Uh, although it's, I mean, it's a pretty good idea. It'll, it'll leave an impression, right? Um, but the idea is we're in covenant relationship with one another. This is for life. And he, he, this is why Jesus, before he was going to the cross, when he had the Last Supper, or what we call the Lord's Supper, with his disciples, and he was telling them, hey, whenever you get together, whenever you commune together, whenever ever you have this com- commemoration, this remembering of what I've done for you, he says, take, eat, this is my body. And then he says, drink, this is my blood of the covenant. Because you see, what Jesus did on the cross was he shed his blood for us, the blood that would cleanse us from our sin, but it was also it was part of his covenant that said, listen, I am committed to you. And nothing you do will ever break the covenant love that I have for you. You are mine and I am yours. And I am sealing this covenant with my very own blood. And every time you drink, every time you take the Lord's Supper, hey, remember. Remember. That blood, man, that signifies the covenant love that I have for you. This is the love that God has for us. It is a covenant love that draws us in, that brings us together. We are united with Christ, and we are united to one another by the blood of Christ. That is what brings us together. And so let me just take our last couple minutes together. I want to give you some really practical thoughts. Okay, so the idea is this, that we need community. We need relationship and connection with one another in order to experience life. So how do we do that? Some of you all are doing some of these things. Maybe for, one, for some of you, there would be one thing you would look at on this list and go, I need to pursue this. Because the action step this morning is this, intentionally pursue community. Like community, relationship, it's not just going to come to you. You have to seek it. You have to go after it. And so let me give you some practical ways to pursue community. One is, is this way. It's through gathering with us on the weekends. It's through what we do here every single week. It's gathering together. It's worshiping together. This is all part of being in community together. It's God growing us together as his holy temple. And so maybe for some of you, Maybe you're one of the average Christians. The average Christian, Christian attends church twice a month. And I know that things come up and life is busy, but man, to be at church, again, it's more than just checking off attendance. It's being part of what God is building through his people. And so for some of you, maybe this is the step. It's just committing and saying, man, I, want, I need to be a part of what God is doing here every single weekend. And I intentionally say weekend because it's not going to be just Sundays anymore. It's going to be Saturdays, Sundays. It's what God is doing here as he is building his people. Let me give you a second, a second uh, idea. It's to seek friendships. It's to seek relationships. A lot of us have probably said this, like, man, I wish I had more friends, or I wish I had a better friend, or I wish I had a best friend. I want to encourage you to do, we talked about this a few weeks ago, is to bless Begin with prayer. Listen, eat with people. 
um, serve their needs, share your story, look for ways to bless people. Because here's, here's what I know. Whether you feel like you have enough friends or no friends, if you start looking for ways to bless people, not looking for people that can be your friend, but how can I be a friend? How can I bless others? How can I serve them? I promise you, you will find friends. When you serve people and love people selflessly, you will find friendships. And so pursue those things. Pursue friendship and relationship with other people. here's Here's a third way that you can get in community. It's to find a way to serve. Find a way to serve. You know, one of the the incredible things about serving is not only do you meet the needs of people, not only do you represent the hands and feet of Jesus when you serve people, but when you are actually on mission together with people, when you are shoulder to shoulder, when you are locking arms with people, when you have a common mission together, man, there there is community, there is relationship, there is a bond that is built. That's why why. Mission trips are such a big deal because you are doing life side by side. You are serving. You are doing what God's called you to do, living on mission alongside someone else. And that will build community. And so the bonus of serving people and meeting needs is you are forming friendships and forming relationships with people. So finding ways to serve. Now, there's something I want to uh, unveil for the first time today, and it's, it's, it's kind of an ongoing relationship we have with an organization in our community called Food for the Soul. How many of you are familiar with Food for the Soul, or at least have heard of it? Okay, uh, It's an incredible organization in our county that's helping to feed and shelter people, and we are partnering with Food for the Soul in a whole new way, and this predates me. This came up before I even came on board. I just, I just checked off and said, let's do it, uh, and so I want to ask Derek Gowdy, who is one of our own uh, family members and is involved with Food for the Soul, I'm asking him to give a little bit of time and just kind of dial us in and bring us up to speed on what we're doing with Food for the Soul. Good deal. How about now? Okay, there's an obligation I got to meet first. Um, Some of you found out I was going to be up here, and the first thing you said was that we're going to do the Ric Flair thing again. So I don't want some of you be dis- to be disappointed. Some of you are not going to know what we're talking about, so just grab somebody because it's kind of a friendship inside thing. But Terry Rhodes is going to lead it on this side, and Tripp's going to lead it on this side of being the loudest ones. So on three, we're going to do the Ric Flair flare. Woo! Go big or don't do it at all. That's all I'm saying. All right. One, two, three. Woo! All right. Got that out of the way. One other thing. One other thing, he's not going to let me ever talk again, but uh, every service that way (laughs) (laughs) is um, a lot of you guys, I saw your faces because I know you when he started talking about weddings and you were going weddings during football season. Are you kidding me? So I know you're like me. Yeah, I'll go to the wedding, but don't tell me I can't take my phone out and track scores or watch the game because I will do that. (laughs) But again, I'm off. Let me get back on to what we're talking about here. Um, Food for the soul. For some of you, I saw a lot of hands go up, and I'm, and I'm proud to say that, that you guys have heard of it because friendship is a big part of the ongoing partnership with Food for the Soul. But for some of you that don't know all the details, Food for the Soul is a Kershaw-based shelter and homeless food kitchen, meaning homeless and the needy. 
it's a Kershaw base, but it's, uh, the kitchen is in Camden. And right now, they serve meals in Camden. We serve meals. You serve meals because some of you have been there. Um, in Camden, in Bethune, Macbee, a little bit into Cassett. Uh, but we don't do anything on this side of the river in Elgin and Lugol. So I'm really, really proud to say that friendship is going to be the cornerstone for bringing food for the soul across the river. Is exciting. So what does that look like? Food for the soul currently... Um, shelters, about 25 homeless a night, men, women, and children. But they also serve meals, breakfast, and lunch to the tune of over 24,000 a year, over 24,000 meals a year. So what we're going to try to do here is we're going to start serving a meal on Monday nights here, over there, which is pretty cool because when we talk about missions, and some of you I know have gone on international mission trips and people go, well, why do you go all the way around the world? There's needs in our back home. Yeah, bingo. This is a way to meet. It's not an either or, it's an and. Missions is about local, regional, and international. And this is a beautiful way to meet some local needs. So what does that look like? We're going to start a week from tomorrow. And there's a sign-up sheets, and Phyllis and I will be in the corner right in the lobby as you leave, so please come by, spend as much time as you need to learn more about this. But we need people to go to the kitchen over in Camden on Mondays around, let's call it 2 or 3 o'clock. It's going to be a little lumpy at first till we figure out the cadence of it as new things will be. And then we're going to bring the food. Friendship has stepped up and bought all the equipment, the warming trays, the transfer and everything so that we can actually serve out of this location. So we're going to prepare the food, bring it over here, and serve it here, and then clean up afterwards. But it's more than just putting food in someone's stomach. It's about what Andrew was talking about. It's, it's, it's learning more about them, pouring yourself into them a little bit. Sit down and just talk to them. If, if there's a bunch of people serving everything, just find someone in the crowd, you know. Jennifer Rhodes can tell you about She did that over at Food for the Soul recently. Just spend 30 minutes. You don't have to be invasive. Just people love to talk about themselves. Just ask them what their deal is. And, and then through that, we're all going to understand what the need is. And the vision we have is just is just the first stepping stone, that things going to grow. And, and the community, what we're talking about, is not only the community within these walls that are our church. It's really the, the churches in this area that we can partner. If this thing warrants, there's no limits on how far we'll take it. And then one other thing, and I'll, and I'll go sit back down. Somewhat related to this, we're starting a mentoring program. So I'm going to be the point person on that one. And I just need a handful of guys um, that are willing to give up an hour sometime during the week for a one-on-one -on -one mentoring of somebody that's currently in the homeless shelter. We're going to start with the men because there's some more men in there right now. And you go, wow, I can't do that. That sounds kind of weird. You know, they're going to have to come live with me or anything like that? Absolutely not. What we're talking about is just investing a little bit of time. You don't have to have a degree in counseling or sociology or be a psychiatrist. You just have to have a degree in life. And sit down, talk to them, learn about what they got going on. But be, give them your cell phone number. And if they're hitting rock bottom in the middle of the week, and their default is to go back to alcoholism or drugs or whatever it is, you know, be that voice they hear on the other side of the phone that says, man, gosh, I don't know why I cry about this stuff. I do. But uh, 
man, just talk to them. Invest in time with them. And believe it or not, you can impact a life. And believe it or not, whether it's the mentoring program or feeding the homeless, you'll always find out there is such a peace about it. And it's fun, too. It's to the fun of almost being, you're feeling guilty you're having so much fun. But also, you try to so much bless others. But when you're serving, you'll find out you're more blessed than any ten times over on what you try to give. So, again, I'll, I'll go sit down. But come see Phyllis and me over in the corner after the lobby if you're remotely interested in it. I'm not going to slit your hand or anything like that. <laughs> But, you know, we will ask you to sign up and, and talk to us about what it is if he's an interest. And if it's a great thing for small groups that are also sign-up sheets out there. Maybe your small group says, hey, this is a good activity, so rather one week a month rather than meet, we'll all go cook meals or serve meals. You know, whatever it is. Or if you've got a men's group, hey, let's a couple of us as part of that, that ministry really extend it out. So, uh, you know, if you can only serve one night a week, or one, I mean one night a month, or one night every six weeks, still don't hesitate to put your name up there, because we're really just talking about investing time in others. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Can you get them, give it up? <clears throat> what, I, what I love is this isn't a friendship thing. This is a food for the soul thing. This is a kingdom thing. So this is open to everyone. We're just wanting to serve the needs in our community. And one of the things that we're doing to kind of even help raise some funds for this is we're doing this community uh, home run derby, all right? So this is some of our fellows. We've got our own softball team. Um, but this is open for everyone, o open to other churches, other folks in our community. Uh, it's going to take place on October the 6th at 3 p.m. Uh, contact Blake Britton if you want more information, if you want to participate. Really, the idea is if you want to be in the home run derby, you put down 10 bucks or more, and 100% of the proceeds are going to help launch Food for the Soul. Um, so it's a fun way to, for us to raise some money. So we'll post some more information about this and about Food for the Soul kicking off, which it will kick off a week from tomorrow, okay, on Monday, September the 30th. Uh, but please feel free to sign up, uh, talk to Derek out there. Uh, we'll have some more information uh, online for you as well. But great ways to find community, to get invested and side-by-side -side with others. Let me give you two quick other ideas here. One is life groups and what we're calling rooted. Okay, so life groups. These are small groups. These are groups of you know, 10, to, 10 to 15 people who are kind of doing life together um, in this building, outside of this building, sharing life together, sharpening one another. Um, it, it really fulfills what the book of Romans talks about, weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. It's having a tribe of people that have your back, that are with you. And so we have a number of ongoing life groups. There are sign-ups out there, um, and you can sign up online as well. Rooted is a new experience that we're going to launch at the beginning of 2020. I'm really excited about this. It's a brand-new initiative. It's a 10-week small group experience that will start here. Uh, Jason Reeves and myself will help lead this effort. It's a 10-week experience to help root people in the gospel and then to multiply and to start new life groups. And so uh, this will be a big new initiative that we have at the beginning of next year. But maybe you're interested and you say, oh, yeah, when that launches, I'd love to be a part of that. Um, there's some information online. You can also sign up online or for groups out there. But getting into a life group and doing life with folks is an incredible way. Really, it's going to be one of the biggest things that keeps us going and growing as a church is those life groups. And so I want to encourage you uh, to sign up there. One last thing I want to mention here is this. 
Uh, new to friendship, Jack mentioned at the beginning of the service, and this is really for anybody who's new or wants to get more involved at friendship, wants to learn how to grow in their faith and get involved here. One of the things we talk about at New to Friendship is what we call partnership, which is kind of our, our twist on what most churches would call membership. Really, the idea is that we are partners together in the gospel. And so there's ownership. There's, there's this idea of I'm all in with this church. It kind of moves from, if I could go back to the, the marriage and even the dating kind of metaphor, it's kind of moving away from a place where we say, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer going to continue dating this church. I'm going all in, and I'm going to become a covenant partner. I'm entering into covenant partnership with the church. I want to be a part of what's going on here. And so partnership, for some of you, maybe that's your step. Is to say, man, I want to be a part of what God is building here at Friendship. And I would encourage you to sign up for that. New to Friendship will be next Sunday, right after church. We'll get you, get you lunch and child care. It'll last an hour or 70 minutes. Um, but I would encourage you to be a part of that. Here's, here's the big idea this morning. You know, a lot of times we're trying to find our identity in ourselves or in something that we do. But really, as followers of Jesus, our identity is meant to be wrapped up in community. This thing we're talking about this morning, being in community, it's not supposed to be just an add-on or another thing that we do in our Christian life. Really, our whole identity, who we are as followers of Jesus, is meant to be wrapped up in the people of God, in community. It's not about me. It's bigger than me. It's about we as the church, the people of God. And so, Father, this morning we come to you and we're grateful that you have joined us together, that you have made peace between us and the Father. You have made a way for us to be reconciled to the Father. You've joined us together. And God, you continue to do your work of building us together, growing us together into this holy temple, this dwelling place for the Lord. And Lord, we want to be a place where you feel comfortable to show up and to show off your glory, where people can walk into this body of believers and God, they can feel like they belong, where they don't feel like an outsider, but they feel loved and welcomed. And in that experience, they can hear and experience and receive the good news of the gospel, the grace of God toward us. And so, Lord, would you continue to make us your people, Lord, who grow together, because together we're stronger, and you unite us together in Christ by your blood. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning. We continue to worship you because of who you are and what you've done. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name.